What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the City of Champions podcast. My guest today is a guy doing exceptional work around the city of Edmonton. Sebastian Barrera is a Chilean-born musician. He's an artist, uh, community activist, who has captivated the hearts of many in the city with ongoing efforts in transforming community-based arts and social projects into day-to-day reality. Sebastian is the president of the Parkdale Cromdale Community League, and he's also the creator of a social movement project called CreArt, which is dedicated to providing free, accessible spaces to facilitate art and music-based education for individuals who are looking for a positive outlet for self-expression. Sebastian is a fascinating guy and incredibly engaging, and he's exactly the type of person that this city needs, working to make it a more unified community for all. So please enjoy my conversation with Sebastian Barrera. Sebastian, thanks for having me in your spot here. Uh, Appreciate you making the time on a sunny Friday uh, morning. Tell us a little bit about where we are right now. So basically, we are at Parkdale Cromdale Community League. I have been the president of this community league for the last three years. Um, and basically, this is a space with my story in Edmonton, my community development story in Edmonton starts. I start uh, a kind of project here, the Free School of Arts Career Art Edmonton. Um, and I basically start with one hour of guitar lessons every Saturday um, to try to engage people in the community on guitar lessons. The president of the community league at the time, Martin Bandred, he knocked my door one day. I didn't speak English at all. And he told me, do you know what? I have been hearing you playing your guitar in your backyard for a couple weeks. And I'm wondering if you will teach me. <laughs> uh, and with my poor English at the time, um, I say, yeah. I think so, I can do that. And then I started teaching him and he brought me to the community league and say, hey, would you like to teach here? Right. And I say, yes. And he was kind of, oh, how much you will charge an hour? And I say, and in my mind, I say, I don't, I can't charge you. You don't know how to learn, like how to play guitar. And I think I like charge you for learn three chords and maybe it will take you three months to learn three chords mm-hmm. is unfair. Right. What about when you catch up and you get to a level when my classes can give you more techniques? We can talk about money, but money is not important to me. Right. And he was kind of, you're crazy. Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after that, I remember uh, we started the guitar lessons here. And for a year, Martin was my only student. Mm-hmm. And he used to debate with me. If you charge, people will come. Yeah. Because people don't see value on free stuff. Right. And I look at him and say, no, it has to be for free. And he took a year of guitar lessons just with me. (laughs) And uh, people, little by little, start coming. Mm -hmm. And everybody was so surprised about free. The concept of free, it was related to something with not quality or something that was not important right. and just the concept of dropping center oh if i'm not paying i don't value this right um and people were surprised about the free concept mm-hmm. and I, what i told martin is say i grew up in different communities in the world um in chile i was part of a free school of arts 
I studied theater for four years for free. I didn't have the money to pay theater classes. And the instructor on that time, her name was Flor Palacios. She used to give me money to go back home because I didn't have money to pay my boss back home. Mm -hmm. And if she didn't give me money or whatever, I used to walk two hours to get to my house. So she told me once that her dream was set up a free school of arts with different arts integrated on. Um, and she couldn't do it. She was like, um, not old, but she was like on her 50s and right. she didn't have the energy to set up the free school of arts. Mm -hmm. And when I left this, her theater school, I told her, you know what? I love the concept of this free school of arts. One day I will set it up. Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me like I was a young child, 17 years old, saying, hey, I, I will do this. I will right. pursue the dreams because you teach me for free. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I arrived to Edmonton, I was with a tourist visa. Mm -hmm. I was not allowed to work. Um, I was married with a Canadian citizen that we met in Spain. We have a dog with the other, we, she was pregnant. Um, so I read all the policies regarding to what I was allowed to do for money or not. Mm -hmm. And I figured out that busking was an opportunity for me. The government allowed me as a tourist to do busking on the streets oh, and no way. perform on the streets. So do you have to pay taxes on busking revenue? No, 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 no. Awesome. but I didn't pay the permit. <laughs> yeah. uh, you have to pay a permit right. to pay an LRT stations. Um, so do you know what? I started using busking as a way to produce some money to, because a baby was coming. Yeah. And Where would you go? Where are your hot spots in the city? Oh, the University of Alberta for sure. Yeah. But don't share that because no, I'm joking. Uh, because <laughs> I hope you're past your busking yeah, days. Do you know what? I may well go back <laughs> because I do love human connection. Yeah. I think that is one of the things that I deeply appreciate. Mm -hmm. I think you'd kill it outside of Roger's place. Uh, well, yeah, game. <laughs> if we make the playoffs again. There we go. Well, I hope you guys do. Yeah. Um, but basically that singing there and seeing people coming by and with me with my poor english of course and like people are smiling and people <laughs> say hey you know what i can hear you from downstairs when you're singing here that's crazy yeah. and my hours of work used to be kind of four to eight hours mm -hmm. uh, of singing mm -hmm. on the LRT stations to try to make a decent money bring home english or spanish uh, well, I sing in, in Spanish and Portuguese, okay. and because I was looking to try to learn English, I used to bring the sheets of English songs mm -hmm. and practice, oh, okay. uh, and try to sing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and the answers of people and the amount of and that produced such an amount important amount of network. Mm -hmm. People were coming back to me and say, "Hey, can I get your phone number? I have a party, yeah. and I want you to come and play for us." Oh, or, wow. uh, like, can you teach me guitar? Yeah. Or sometimes local artists sitting down, drawing me. Mm -hmm. And my, my strategy was, if I play here for an hour, it will not work. But if I play for four hours, a student goes to class, yeah. and then when they get out to class, they still see me here. Mm -hmm. And I did that for almost two years. Uh, I tried the streets, the streets didn't work pretty well for me. Uh, it was too noisy and people was kind of not caring. Right. But the students of the University of Alberta, they support my career as a local artist. That's amazing. So yeah, it was really cool. And then they, people asking me for Facebook and people ask me, hey, how can we know more about you? Right. 
And then uh, parallel to that, I was every Saturday coming to teach guitar lessons here. And then people who ask me, hey, can you teach me? Oh, come to my community. Go to the, I'm teaching free guitar lessons. I'm doing this. And people start with kind of cashing up. And, and, and then my classes were full. Yeah. Um, people from different areas of the city was coming here for their free three, four chords. Right. Trying to learn a little bit. And I saw these guitar lessons growing to that free school of arts that I promised my teacher that I will do mm -hmm. in some point in my life. Mm -hmm. And I did. We developed the concept of Free Art Edmonton, mm -hmm. Free School of Arts or Arts for Social Transformation. And then the, during that time, I was just touching guitar and then uh, a lot of people came over and people were like, what are you doing here? Like, what is this concept of free transformation mm -hmm. through arts? Mm -hmm. See, so, well, if we open spaces for mentoring others and teach others different skills, we will be able to set up a community mm -hmm. based on arts and mentoring. And if we encourage our students who already learn basics to teach others, we can develop a sustainable project. Right. It's sort of a positive feedback loop where others start teaching others, developing their skills and others at the same time. Exactly. And, and when you say art, you need not just music, obviously, but, you know, uh, painting, drawing, all, t all types of creative art. Yeah, but also it was especially for people, hey, come and volunteer your time and teach for free. Right. And then the concept of free came over back. It's like free classes, free this, free that. Where's you getting the money? Mm -hmm. Like, where, where, where this is going? No, without funding, why we should work? Mm -hmm. See, well, I want to challenge the status quo. I want to challenge community development. And then I start being more involved in Community League. Mm -hmm. And then big part of the things that I start listening on Community Leagues in general, was that Community Leagues are not active as they used to be with hockey and soccer. Right. Community Leagues used to be the center of the community, but now everybody's so busy, people are not attending to Community Leagues. Mm -hmm. People are not accessing the space. Um, there's 156 community leagues in Edmonton and they struggle to survive. And I say, oh my God, that, that can be seen in two ways, something negative mm -hmm. or seen as an opportunity. Of course. This, the community leagues are dying or the spaces are not being utilized. Let's take it over. Mm -hmm. And that was my kind of, wow, why not create artists start establishing in this community league, like you said, other activities, more programs mm -hmm. and then um, the Kinar Ravine the River Valley have retaining walls which were constantly being tagged or, uh, right. or, or being vandalized like graffiti over uh, and kind of I respect a lot of graffiti yeah. I grew up in cities with graffitis all over yeah. uh, I do respect a lot of graffiti uh, and I, I understand the difference between vandalism and graffiti okay um, so what, how do you distinguish that? I think uh, I think vandalism is when you are destroying something already established uh, to create something that is maybe your own vision, but is a kind of aggressive mm -hmm. uh, destruction of maybe private property, for example. Yeah, right. Like when somebody tag a car, for example, like that is destructive. You, right. you destroy a car. <clears throat> but graffiti art it is when you found a space who is available and then you go to the proceedings of hey, I want you to paint graffiti art here. Right. And then you ask the permissions and then you collaborate with other artists in the community and say, hey, 
this is a graffiti art. Right. So permission and intent are the two biggest factors. And or also the, the message is also so important. Right. And that, that's this, what I mean by yeah, intent. Like yeah, the yeah, intent yeah. to beautify it versus to take away from it. Of the, struct, the destructive approach of spray painting. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That is what I, I classify as a vandalism. Right. Somebody who destroyed elements uh, to just take care over his space who is not them in a, a destructive way. Right. So um, you see the retaining walls in the room. We saw the retaining walls in the River Valley. We uh, saw opportunity. And, and say, oh, what about if we paint all this area with murals? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have money and I have, I need to advocate and develop permissions by the city of Edmonton, parks, etc. Um, Shannon Murray, a worker of the city of Edmonton, she was so key element of help to advocate and to create awareness about, hey, this community wants to do this amazing project, let's help out. Right. Uh, and she did. She, she was a, a winner in order for us to advocate for permissions. Took us two years to get the permissions to paint. It's unbelievable how slow that works, right? All you want well, to do is make, make something that's ugly beautiful <coughs> and it yeah. took you that long. Well, it's part of bureaucracy, yeah. um, and unfortunately, every city in the world has bureaucracy. There's a full system of people who, who should we ask, who have the rights to give the authorizations to this group to do what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And Shannon did. Shannon said when they came over and said, hey, I have the agreement. Yeah. Um, she's a, she used to, I don't know where she's at today, but uh, she used to work as a liaison between the city of Edmonton and the community league. Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as I got permission, I got permission to start a project by the end of September. Mm -hmm. The snow was almost ready to come down right. and we didn't have the budget and it was an, a kind of a nightmare process say, oh, if we claim the walls this year, mm -hmm. then we can continue doing this project. Right. But I have a, such a short window of time to make this project happen mm -hmm. before the snow comes. So. I use the network uh, that I developed together with Community League. I also work in uh, non-for-profits organizations, so I did have a network inside right. of the city. And then I started approaching organizations like Boiler Street, iHuman, uh, yes, different organizations around Edmonton, um, other Community Leagues. Hey, can you donate me 10 pieces of plywood? Can you right. donate me the primer? Can you help me with this? Right. Uh, Heart of the City also were involved. And like, little by little, people in kind of a month dump me all the the in-kinds mm -hmm. to develop the full project. Right. So you got artists, local artists, to paint plywood and then you put the plywood up on the on the retaining wall. Yes. How come you didn't tag the retaining wall directly? Oh, because of the complexity of the walls, because basically they're wood uh, and they are the, the the wood is retaining basically the earth and water who come through. Okay. So the moist of the wall is really hard to deal with. Okay, gotcha. Um, so the technical elements of the mural mm -hmm. and the other thing, the capacity to bring everybody constantly to the river valley to work. Right. It was easier for me to set up the plywoods around the city yeah. and let people work in their spaces yeah. and then just collect the pieces of plywood and put it on the right. Walls. That makes sense. So how did you choose who got to paint the plywood? Uh, well, one of the main elements, and, and, and I think I ran in a lot of problems, because I, I try to approach other organizations who are funder, funders, um, and I say, hey, you know what, I have this big project, and all these organizations want a full proposal, and what you're going to paint, and how this looks like, and they want the, uh, 
until the minimal detail of what people will paint. And mm-hmm. you say, well, basically, I don't know what people will want you're to paint. paint. what they're going to paint. Right? And then I start thinking about this concept of public art, what is around the city, and the city has been done an amazing work trying to create more spaces for public art. Mm-hmm. But then I start thinking about what create concept it is. We want to set up a kind of ignition buttons on people to act like to to activate that artist that inner artist that is inside mm-hmm. the first guitar lessons the first drawing the right. first painting so why what about if we change the concept of public art and then you move towards about art made by the public mm-hmm. and i like that idea so for the public by the public versus it's just for the public exactly yeah. because most of the time and most of the time what how i feel is like uh, and I have been seeing different processes of uh, Edmonton call artists from other areas, like mm-hmm. from Montreal, from Quebec, yeah. from Toronto, from Vancouver. Hey guys, come and paint our city. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of opportunities for growing artists or artists who are not in that level. Right, because they have to spend a certain budget line item on it and the artists in Edmonton aren't at that caliber yet. Exactly. Right? Right. But how we will create that caliber if we don't give them opportunities right. to practice, to create, to be mentored, to right. mentor others. Yeah. And that's, uh, that basically are the principles of Create. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to create incubators. Create is an incubator. Right. Most of the time people come to a year of classes of guitar and they, they disappear. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a year later, or two years later, I'm also part of organizing Heart of the City Music and Arts Festival together with a bunch of people uh, on the board. Um, and two years later in the row, I can see that kid performing no on either. Heart of the That's City, amazing. their first song. Yeah. At the beginning, it, it caused me a lot of confusion. Oh my God, people are not coming anymore. Or did, why this kid disappear? Right. Or what happened here? But then... Heart of the city and Criart and and my my community development projects has been brought me old students mm-hmm. that I teach them the first chords or somebody else here teach them the first chords and they finally got in how to play guitar. They're performing in festivals now, right? And then they come up and say, oh, how are you doing? I'm sorry, I disappeared. Like life turns crazy, yeah. but check it out what I can do now. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, exactly. That is the concept. I don't want to teach people who already know how to play guitar. Right. I don't want this to be a jump session pay for established low, uh, musicians. Mm-hmm. I want career to be an ignition button, mm-hmm. a kind of activator on people's creativities, minds, and critical thinking and community development. Right. So what benefits do you think that uh, igniting that artistic kind of um, undertone in people can bring to them that they don't realize? I think it... First of all, is the sense of community. Uh, it is getting involved. I remember when I came to Edmonton, I heard that the public school board caught a lot of funding on arts. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it, to me, it was shocking because I understand the amount of immigrants who come to, the, to Alberta in general or to Canada in general. Um, and if you can speak English, how do you express? Right. Arts is, an, is a point of expression. Mm-hmm. Arts, it is a tool f- to engage you and be calm and learn in dedication and develop a process. Uh, 
and that allows you to don't feel isolated, to be busy, to be able to express. If we caught expression, because verbal expression is one thing, one way to express. Right, and not everyone's good at it. Even and if you speak English perfectly, you exactly. might not feel comfortable talking to one person, five people, ten people. Exactly. But arts can give you that. And I, I saw that because I have the experience of living in different countries. Mm-hmm. I live in Chile, I live in Spain, I cross a little bit Latin America traveling, um, and I came here and I saw that, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people dealing with mental health issues. There's mm-hmm. isolation. Mm-hmm. There is uh, kids who are trying to fit in a society that they don't come from. Uh, and arts, to me, it is a, such an amazing venue for healing, for expression, for say, you know what? I mean, don't speak, but I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm exist. I'm acknowledged, and this is my art, mm-hmm. and this is my song, and this is this is the way that I express. So this is my theater piece, or this mm-hmm. is how I dance. Do you know what I mean? I see the value of expression in develop healthy societies. Right. If we are, if we have a society who don't allow people to express or don't give spaces for people to express, is repressive. Right. And produce problems in a society. Produce that conflict of uh, angry, mm-hmm. isolation, uh, and and so many things regarding to. Imagine you have a kid and all the time that the kid is talking, you ask him to shut up. Yeah. Shut up. No, you're not valuable. You're wrong, you're wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. So that produces unhealthy relationships, unhealthy people, people who feel oppressed or don't have spaces of expression. Right. And if we don't give that to people, we're creating citizens who are, citizens who are angry, mm-hmm. citizens who are frustrated, citizens who don't want to be part of a community. Right. So that is all the things that I can see on the process of art. Arts helped my growing when I was a child on this free theater mm-hmm. arts classes. I was an angry kid. I was upset because my parents moved from Brazil to Chile. Mm-hmm. I did have issues in the school. I basically dropped high school because I was not happy and I was frustrated. And being a 13 years old with all that sadness mm-hmm. uh, impact my life and I, I don't think I will be here today without those theater classes that I attend and I was able to walk two hours back home just to go there to feel that my expression and I was valuable as a youth in a new society and then when I see so many youth coming to the society um, and also not just the immigrants I have the opportunities to work with First Nation youth youth who are living in poverty and on the streets of the city, uh, who got addiction problems, mental health problems, a cycle of violence that extends that they have been suffering since even before they were born. When I see all those things, my answer is community and arts, community and arts. If we don't grow healthy communities, we can do not improve the quality of life of our city and that is my commitment that is what all these projects get tied together well to working with homeless youth i was able to develop a movie mm-hmm. city embers mm-hmm. and the concept of the movie was hey can we a lot of people don't understand why you guys are homeless right a lot of people never ask those questions mm-hmm. why you 17 18 20 years old 
leave on the streets. There's a lot of assumptions, right? Yeah. You're lazy or you've got addiction problems or you, you, you know, you just don't want to. There's lots of reasons that people assume without diving into the real reasons, right? Exactly. So I, and, and, and without assumptions and without like, without telling them what to say or what to do, uh, when I work at Boiler Street, I was able to gather these kids and say, okay, come over, come over. Let's set up a pizza party, let's talk. Yeah. Um, and the kids were kind of, you're crazy. We're, we're, yeah. We can't do not do a movie. We can't like, no, this is- well, That's my question and sorry to interrupt, but- uh, No, no, bro. How, how, how do you go from an angry kid, maybe with some issues like you were, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of these other kids, to all of a sudden being receptive to, to doing art, to, to performing in theater or creating something or playing I, music? I think one of the things that when you're dealing with angry people, or with people who are angry, let them be angry. Right, let them feel and it. Let them feel it, let yeah. them embrace it. You're angry, I'm so sorry about what happened to you, even if I don't know what happened to you. Mm-hmm. But you want to scream, scream. Right. You want to feel it, you scream want to cry. Microphone, though. Yeah, <laughs> scream, scream to me, scream, fight. You want to battle me, you want to fight, you want to scream, you want to cry, you want to feel it, do it. Mm-hmm. And when you do it, and when you're done, I'm here. Right. I will not run away. I will not scream back to you. Mm-hmm. I will accept you, and I'm, I'm here to help. I'm not here. I'm not here to help myself. My goal it is connect with you. Mm-hmm. Can you connect with me? Can you respect me? And kids, kids who are living under those circumstances, they challenge you right. constantly. They, you're living. Right. You will not be here. You will fail. You will right. all this. Because that's what they're used to, right? Exactly. They're not used to anyone that, that stays, that remains. And then they start saying like, oh, he's not leaving. Right. And he said he will bring a camera and the camera is here. And he says this is a pizza party and the pizza party is happening. Yeah. And he, he really wants to talk to me. He really wants to know my story. All of us have a story. All of us should have the right to tell our story, how we should to tell our stories, if we choose to tell that story. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're doing with the podcast, basically. <laughs> yep, exactly. I, I say people, everyone's interesting, and if you think someone's uninteresting, you're just not asking the right questions. And I think that that's it. If we give venues of people to express and we respect their journey, and we stop the assumptions of we know better what is best for them, mm-hmm and we stop the criticism, people can open up. Right. So just, you, you need to be consistent. And I think that was the moment when the kids started going, oh, this dude is not a liar. Right. This dude is here. Mm-hmm. I screamed to him, I tried to fight him, I tried to do this and that, and he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Okay, let's talk. It's like they say, like, showing up is the majority of the battle, right? Just, uh-huh. just being there. Yeah, and then because I was helping them, and of course it's not just myself, it's a full team of, of workers who mm-hmm. were working with kids, and I asked several workers on this organization to help, uh, and people was, yeah, let's, let's do this, this is crazy, what are you trying to do? Like, I love the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and then little by little, like, the kids start kind of talking, and we develop talking circles in a First Nation way, we set up a talking circle, mm-hmm. we pass... Um, we pass our knowledge, we respect everybody's talking, um, and little by little the kids, well, the reason because it was on the streets is it was because my mom was dating a dude that was a drug dealer and I didn't want to be at home and he was violent and abusive. Oh. Well, that makes sense. 
Yeah, yeah, man. All of a sudden, and you start seeing all the connections, right? And you start understanding it's rational a lot of the time. Yeah, but they don't have other options. They don't have more families. And then, uh, and then because uh, some of the kids, well, most of the kids that we have been working with have transgenerational trauma. They, they, they come from reserves with no families, escaping for other realities mm-hmm. that I can't imagine. I talk to them about different realities, like, oh my God, I'm so sorry you have to pass for this in your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm here. You know, those connections give people the opportunity to speak. And then we develop a movie. Right. With their stories, we we mix their fiction with reality in order to know uh, because this is not a docu- this was not a documentary. Mm-hmm. This was their lives in line, and I didn't want them to expose right. completely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we dramatize a little bit, but the kids develop the script. Cool. The kids develop the storyline. The kids develop the conflicts of the of the characters, and I work with an amazing director, Taro Hashimoto. Mm-hmm. He has been working in community development, grassroots movements, and with the youth long time in Edmonton. And when I brought this story to him, he said, you're crazy, man. And say, I know, I know, but I am, I always try to aim for impossibles. Right. I don't like the possible things. Mm-hmm. I, I, I try to embrace things that are challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we develop a 40 minutes film that was a scream on Cha TV that won uh, Rebel for Real um, Youth Film Festival. Wow, congratulations. Um, but the kids did. And that, that is the importance of all this thing. As I'm a privileged person because I did have a, a lovely family, the opportunity to travel the world, mm-hmm. the opportunity to come here. And that is what I, I always talk about privilege. Mm-hmm. I'm privileged because I did have the opportunity to be educated, to receive education, to in now under my position of privilege, what I'm going to do to try to help others who don't have the privilege, mm-hmm. the privilege to access free arts classes, the, the privilege, those things, how, what how I can use the privilege that I have and the knowledge that I have and the talents that I do have to empower others. Right. And I think that is so important. When it came to uh, to Edmonton, I, I started hearing more and more the concept of white privilege. Right. Uh, because all, all the other places that I live, that never was a topic. But yeah. here was a constant topic in different circles. And and I, I have been spoke on public school uh, classrooms with new immigrants to talk about privilege. Mm-hmm. So I did have opportunities to explore this concept of privilege. Privilege is one thing in my head. is the opportunity to be born in a situation more favorable for you that you don't have nothing to do with, mm-hmm. and that was a privilege. Mm-hmm. You got the privilege to be born in a nice family, in a society that encouraged you to grow and be a healthy, positive person in the community and to grow as yourself. Without that, so basically you can uh, bring that privilege to a a historical circumstances, slavery. Mm -hmm. Without people in privilege who are white battling slavery, Mm -hmm. slavery maybe will never end. Right. Where people using their privilege to produce a positive change and transform society Mm -hmm. under the privilege. I believe that Edmonton today, we have people in privilege who today have the chance to mold a better society. 
Right. So you can't you can't chastise one whole part of the population without recognizing that there's good and bad in that. And there's good and bad in every population. Mm, of no, matter, no matter what the spread of the diversity is, right? Yeah. There's always going to be people on both sides of the coin. And at the beginning, it was hard for me to understand. Right. Uh, at the beginning, when I came here, I was like, listen, people talking about the white privilege and these people mm-hmm. with privilege and positions of privilege in government mm-hmm. and etc. And I see, well, wait, what about if we establish Privilege is one thing. What do you do with that privilege mm-hmm. is the important part. But also people will confuse privilege with success as well. Some people aren't privileged, they just succeeded. And so, they have been working hard for exactly. it. Exactly. And, and I don't discrim- I, I, I don't say that that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and of course, privilege gets confused with this. Uh, oh, no, he was a privilege and that is why he was successful. Right. And that is not true. Mm-hmm. You have to work hard to be successful. Right. And but in the race of being successful let's say you was born in a nice family you your family have money for your education and then let's say you have been born in a reserve and your family don't have been nice to you Mm -hmm. in the race for that success Mm -hmm. what that privilege puts you yeah far advantage Exactly. But it's perspective so, too, right? Of like, course. A lot of people don't realize just by virtue of being born in Canada or America, you're already in the 99.9% privilege in the entire world. That is no true. Matter, even if you're in the worst scenario in Canada, you're still better than, you're still in a better position than 99.9% of the rest of the world. Well, I think if those are elements that we can discuss, right. situations and reserves are complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, Transgenerational trauma and genocide are complicated topics in our society. Mm-hmm. Uh, exists racism in, in, in our society. Mm-hmm. I have been experiencing personally, uh, people have been racist to me. Right. Uh, and that just not happened to me in Canada, happened to me in Spain, happened to me in Brazil, happened to me in Chile. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think there's several elements that we should be aware of it and we should understand and try to push ourselves to understand better mm-hmm. in order for people who are in privilege and are in this part of the race to stop a little bit their own personal race, Mm -hmm. look back and think about how can I help or how can I be a tool of help, Mm -hmm. not just for my own personal success, because that's one thing, but I believe in community success. Right. Rising tides. Exactly. Mm -hmm. How can we develop bridges between my lifestyle mm-hmm. with somebody who lives on the streets. Right. How can I use my privilege to say, for example, I work in a big company and I got the position to say, I will support a non-for-profit organization because they are trying to develop this bridge and us together as a community, we're developing a better Edmonton. Mm-hmm. That is what I want to see. Of course. Like, I volunteer my time, I don't know how many hours a week for the last six years. <laughs> Best uh, to keep track, right? Without a job, yeah. singing on the streets, mm-hmm. using, and even though recognizing the privilege that they have to try to bring these bridges together. Mm-hmm. Now, can we ask other Edmontonians to do that? Can we ask people who are in another position say, hey, we want to collaborate. We want to develop a better Edmonton. I don't want to see poverty on these streets because that is, this is my city. Mm-hmm. 
This is our city. Right, we're all in it together. Exactly. Like, I, I, and, and working with homeless youth and working under poverty and being part of tables discussing how can we put solutions to this. Mm-hmm. I want developers to be on those tables. Yeah. I want City of Edmond to, to be on those tables. How we end poverty? The only way to end poverty, because poverty is not just economic poverty. Mm-hmm. It's just one of the elements. But a society who don't talk to each other is poor. Right. A society who don't respect each other is poor. A society who is full of racism is a poor society. Mm-hmm. How can we create strategies together, school system, or non-for-profit organizations, developers, politicians, at the same table, talking each other in a respectful way, in a way that is not just the talking, is an action plan after. Right. Saying, this is... Yeah, I, I believe me, I don't know how many meetings there have been about we should develop this, we should do this, and you should that. Mm-hmm. And volunteers go constantly to those meetings to give feedback, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, they do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And none of the conversations that were in the table was even taken under consideration. Because yeah. the, the right thing is usually the hard thing, right? And it's hard, but I remember I saw an, a documentary when Don Iverson was talking. Uh, I think the document is through my eyes, through the eyes. Okay. And in that documentary, he said, if it's not in Edmonton, where? Mm-hmm. And I strongly took those words. I have been living in third world countries. Mm-hmm. I have been seeing poverty face to face. I have been homeless a couple of times in my life. Mm-hmm. And most of the time when you live in undeveloped countries, third world countries, you look to the north or to the developed countries right. as an example. Oh, if I was there, I will never suffer this kind of things. Right. And then I come That's here, yeah. I come here and hey, wait a minute. Some areas looks like third world countries. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Somebody told me a lie. Where the money is going? Mm-hmm. Where the resources is going? Since we're living in one of the richest city in, in Canada, why we're not collaborating and develop more offers for all our community and all Edmond to, to develop. Right. All our, and, and, and not just developing the building development concept of the construction development. I'm talking about develop a healthy, positive, engaging, encouraging society when we can respect each other. When poverty, not just economic poverty is trying to be addressed, mm-hmm. but also the education, also the respect, also the inclusion, also the understanding and that will be impossible if people in privilege don't stop their own personal careers stop look to our communities Mm -hmm. and say hey let's stop a little bit what about if we start to argue for a better city Mm -hmm. what about we try to organize ourselves to grow this community as it should be Mm -hmm. and and I, i at the beginning, I was frustrated about his damage poverty. And I remember when I saw the documentary, I said, yeah, he's right. <laughs> if he's not in Edmonton, where? Mm-hmm. And then I have been able to go to city councils to argue things, and I have been using those words. If he's not in Edmonton, where? Yeah. And I, I talked to them right that way. And see, look at me and say, mm, I think I can recognize those words. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Mm-hmm. If we are living in one of the richest societies, in the world, like you said, we're better than so many. Why not here? Why we don't implement a model that allowed us to be an example for all Canada? Mm. 
a model of respect, of collaboration, of truly engaged community development grassroots movements and privileged communities together to develop a better Edmonton. Well, I think the biggest reason for that is because it's it's a big, complex and challenging problem, right? And when people see a problem like that, they think it's overwhelming to even begin. Where do I even start? So they need people like you to show the incremental steps that are going to make monumental changes, right? Because it's not going to be one one policy or one program that changes everything. It's going to be the compound effect of a lot of little things building up towards a bigger thing, right? And, and I'm agree with that. And you need and and people need to see the value in it. To to there is an interesting dichotomy of of um, self interest, right? Some people say, well, we're all self interested in in the way we act. We only do things that benefit ourselves. But then the the complete opposite argument, which is just as valid, is there's really no such thing as self interest because any I do that benefits me and negatively impacts you if you're in a worse spot in life that's going to negative negatively impact me at some point same way my uh, my like my biggest rivals or my my biggest competitors I want to see them do well because a it pushes me to do better but if they're in a much worse place if, if they're continually getting torn down that's only going to increase the likelihood that they do something that tries to hurt me it's the shift of mentality from a zero-sum game to a a game of abundance where everybody can win and it's that mindset shift <clears throat> excuse me shift that i think is is the hardest for people to realize that it's not just me or you it's us and and so i think it's super valuable that that you are like especially with Cree art and just all these little things that can start building up and then inspiring other people too right because there's lots of people out there good people who would want to be involved and want to do things, but they don't really know how, or they're not really sure what they would do or what they have to offer. But by more programs popping up where they can see other creative examples of, oh, here's how they're helping, here's how they're helping. All of a sudden that starts spinning the wheels and making them think, hey, maybe I've got something to offer too, because everyone's got something to offer in one way or another. And if we can just make the people even directly connected to us, the six to 20 people that are in our lives every day or every week, if we make their lives better incrementally, they're going to incrementally make everyone else's lives around them better. And it's only going to continue. Right? Exactly. And I think in that chamber need to happen, that, that kind of attitude towards what do we want here? How our city looks like? And also be involved in the debate. Mm -hmm. I have been several times going to city councils, wait five hours to talk five minutes. <laughs> Um, Did you play music while you were? <laughs> no, no, they don't allow me to bring the guitar. Oh, no. Yeah, and uh, I, like together with other community members, we were there to talk about how we are developing the city, mm -hmm. um, how we are uh, empowering people to to get out of poverty, how can we invest in this project, but we still have poverty on the street. How can we like all those issues and having tirelessly together with so many members of the community trying to advocate for, hey, we need to develop this together. Mm -hmm. uh, municipal government needs to be accountable to citizens and to communities and to, hey, what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, how we're shaping our community, how we're using public spaces, mm -hmm. how can we create um, welcoming community spaces inside of the communities. Mm -hmm. Like we need, we have a bunch of parks surrounding the city. Mm -hmm. We need more parks inside of the city. We just got one big one through the city. For example, 
um, I have been living in Spain and Chile and I saw those elements happening right. and how those common spaces can create communities. Absolutely. You see it on the Glenora stairs, you see it, uh, you know, the little, the few green spaces that there are, but people are out, they're doing things and it makes you happy. Like, I think sociability, to me at least personally, is a, it's, it's a byproduct of momentum of, of being around other people. I find if I spend, you know, three quarters of the day at home, not around people, I don't really want to be around people. But the second I, I talk to one person, I talk to a second, and then it just starts be building up momentum of sociability. And then by the time the day is half over, you, you want to be around people. You want, and it's a, it, to me, and I don't know if everyone else is the same way, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an act of momentum. Uh-huh, and, and, and that is what I was trying to do with Create. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, I need communities around me. I need people who I can talk and have this kind of conversations mm -hmm. and I'm looking always forward mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes I'm maybe too serious about it but uh, because I always try to engage this kind of conversation like what we're doing, how we're doing it, how right. you're getting involved, what is your action, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Uh, I, I, I think I scared people when I asked them, hey, how your community is doing? Right. And they look yeah, at me, yeah, I, don't uh, I don't know, they say, have you ever thought about take over your community league, yeah. be involved? Yeah. open the space and if you do I will support you <laughs> so they ah yeah um, and people are afraid to take on new challenges especially if they don't know they're going to succeed or if they don't have any experience in it right yeah but how you will like like how you will receive like imagine me seven seven or seven years ago mm -hmm. zero English mm -hmm. uh, I, I have a couple embarrassing moments trying to speak English mm -hmm. zero English with my daughter all day uh, in the stroller walking in the snow, trying to meet people. Um, and there were no spaces. Right. There were like, uh, I remember maybe some festivals where an opportunity for, oh, uh, there's people. Yeah. yeah. Right. I remember these epic festivals close to here, like the Kaleido, mm -hmm. um, the Deep Freeze, um, Heart of the City. Yeah. Those were spaces where I started like, hey, this is the community. This, right. Oh, these are the local artists. Hi. Yeah. I don't speak English. I'm Sebastian. Uh, I play the guitar and yeah. I teach for free. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, okay, nice to meet you. Right. And it's getting over that uncomfortability of meeting new people, right? Yeah. And that awkwardness of, of, of building that relationship. But it's, it's, it's so empowering once you do that, right? Once you get past the awkward phase and then actually realize, hey, I just met a friend that if I didn't step up, and, and then you're in control of your own destiny, right? Mm -hmm. if, if I didn't step up and say hi and make the conversation and push through that initial, like you said, we're in this Western world kind of so standoffish with people because we're not sure what their motives are where you know we're we're kind of conditioned to distrust other people you know you're not supposed to talk to strangers that's the whole thing right so my question is what what makes sort of the places that you grew up sort of the central and south american um mentality what enables what's different about that versus canada and north america right and I what enables more artistic expression i think uh, one of the big elements, I think it is, it is how, for example, and, and I, I was analyzing this because it had been working a lot of time with First Nations communities. Mm -hmm. Colonialism in, in South America was 500 years ago. Right. The process of healing 
of colonialism and the the process that First Nations community passed there and the influence of other immigrants in our communities has been longer. Right. Has been like well, we're almost reaching 550 years mm-hmm. of experience, of healing, of moving forward, of shaping our society. Mm-hmm. Canada, we just celebrate 150. Right. We're new. Yeah, we're new. We're learning. We're we're creating new processes. Mm-hmm. We just get out of uh, and 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 it's still is institutions institutions uh, are trying to make a shift from a colonizing perspective to a more inclusive perspective, mm-hmm. and we're just making the shifts now. And that like I, I didn't knew that story. Right. I came here it's like oh my okay. It was completely new. Right. So we are shaping, and I think we're looking to shape a new Canada, mm-hmm. but require many years and many people at the table to shape how Canada was look like. Mm-hmm. To, today, I don't think the process of healings are done. Mm-hmm. And according to First Nations communities, we may have seven generations coming forward. Right. But how, because one of the things that I noticed is like Canada has been built the, the Canadian country has been built by immigration, by people coming here, mm-hmm. settle. Mm-hmm. And the deal was, we will make this together. Right. But today, the deals are not that clear. Mm-hmm. And if new immigrants like me and other people who are coming to the table and people on privilege try to be fair to that deal, go back and shake hands again and say, you know what, this has been the past. And I think it has been a step forward to say, hey, I'm sorry about what happened, but we need to move forward to really balance this society. Mm-hmm. We need to move forward to uh, create spaces where our communities can heal together. It's mm-hmm. not just them healing and we keep our growing, amazing, exciting uh, exit, mm-hmm. like uh, how, how you call it growing this society and we're not considered this group or this other group. Mm-hmm. We need to come together. This land is supposed to be a land of respect and collaboration. Mm-hmm. So what about if we fight to get that back? We, in, we fight not in the fighting kind of a, a kind of a battling concept. We fight by our actions, by every day moving forward to try to Create spaces or be part of spaces of inclusion, mm-hmm. discussion, conversation, arguments, but with the purpose of how we're shaping this. Because at the end of the day, I am 35 years old. I may have 35 years more and I will not be here anymore. But my daughter will live here. more than that. Well, I don't know, but my daughter have, will live in this society. Yeah. This is the society that I'm giving to my daughter. Right. And I'm... I'm responsible for that. And I take that responsibility really serious. Mm-hmm. I want my daughter to understand all elements of the society, the immigration, the First Nations, the people, the settles, the, the society that we're living on. I want my daughter to go to powwows and go to the deep freeze and go to Kaleido and go to the heart of the city and go to different activities when she can share with other immigrants and with people, Canadians, and embrace the diversity in the culture and not embrace multiculturalism, embrace interculturalism, right. the integration of these cultures in Canada mm-hmm. to celebrate a welcoming, encouraging space where we care. One of the things that I hear about the difference between Americans and Canadians is that Canadians care right. and we're different. Mm-hmm. 
And we can see the destruction of multiculturalism in the United States mm -hmm. with pockets of people and this racism, girls and guns and right. kills and, and exactly all this polarization. Right. That is what multiculturalism looks like. Right. But Canada should be embracing interculturalism, the integration of cultures, the integration of people who can deal with respect mm -hmm. and respect each other and fight against racism and collaborate to find solutions for everyone. Right. And I think that is a battle. It's a battle with ourselves to put our, our personal growing, our success and stop, our personal success and stuff, and look to our community and say, you know what? I want you to meet my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And I will knock the door of my neighbor and say, hi, I live next door to you for the last 10 years and I don't know you. Right. I'm sorry, welcome to this neighborhood. <laughs> Uh, and I'm here. We get self-conscious. Exactly. We think, we think, why didn't I do this sooner? And then you're embarrassed and then you don't want to do it. And you, you avoid it, right? It's like not knowing someone's name. If you meet them a few times and you forget their name, you don't want, you're embarrassed to ask them their name. And then you never ask. And then it builds this invisible barrier between you because you don't want, you know, you don't want to get caught in your little secret lie that you don't know them exactly the way you, they think you know them, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's that and, and with culture too, that's such an interesting concept because like, why are we so married to our culture? Just because our ancestors did that, why do we have to do that? What's important about that? And I like what I, what you see in Canada, you, you know, you see second generation, um, immigrants now, whether they're, you know, um, Indian or, or Chinese. And, and I think they're doing a good job of integrating both their historical culture, but also Canadian too, right? You see families now, Punjabi families on CBC, on uh, Hockey Night in Canada. You see more Punjabi players coming up through the league now. You're starting to see hockey grow so much in Canada with the Chinese culture in Vancouver that it's actually hopping back across the ocean and now growing in China. Something that I'm working on a documentary on. Oh, cool. So it's, it's, it's really cool now with globalization and, and, um, and just our social connection and online that you see cross-pollination not, not only within countries, but heading back the other way as well. So I think, I mean, realistically, like you said, Canada's 150 years old. Like, we've, it's just going to take time. Mm -hmm. But people need to continue to do the right things, at least taking incremental steps in the right direction. And, and I think that is a big part of the important elements of how I see myself. Like, I'm one person, one immigrant, seven years ago, I didn't speak any English. Uh, and I have been seeing, at the beginning I was frustrated, I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And and then I have been seeing the potential. There's so much potential. Mm -hmm. uh, like I have been developed grassroots movements in, in Chile, in Brazil, I experienced Spain as well, and be part of social movements, grassroots always. Um, and. Most of the time, all the people that did all that work were never recognized. Right. They just keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. Hmm. City of Edmonton has been amazing, recognizing and saying, Sebastian, we like what you're doing. Hmm. Keep doing what you're doing. I have been receiving awards and people who have been working with me at side by side have been receiving awards. And there is a, a, a willing to recognize the community grassroots and the people who are trying to make a difference. Hmm. In order to, I believe that this is intentional to try to inspire more people to take lead and to take actions and to do things. Mm -hmm. 
So I never was recognized in any other country. Canada was the first country who recognized my work. It, it lagged. I never, and it was not with intention, oh, I want to be recognized, but this is part of my story. Right. So I see how Edmonton in, in general, it is trying to create these spaces, but it, it, it takes Edmontonians to take this step forward in the actions to say, you know what? I love my city. Mm -hmm. I love Canada. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that we can do better. Mm -hmm. How are we going to do it? Yeah. How are we going to put our efforts? I remember uh, the hockey. I never experienced hockey before. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I never yeah. experienced hockey before. I tried to skate, and I'm, I'm, I'm just a joke. Like I'm, I'm really bad. But you like a challenge, <laughs> so keep working. I, yeah. Well, it has been a my legs just get destroyed after ten minutes of skating. Yeah. Um, but I remember, and I have several friends who are kind of passionate about hockey and the Oilers and, oh, yeah, yeah. oh my god yeah and uh, have you been to a game before yes I have been I have been in a game and uh, I went there was in the Coliseum okay that the uh, yeah that they moved downtown Edmonton and I remember this kind of this argument between hockey lovers and Oilers lovers and development and all this uh, uh, business side of the hockey side yeah and, and it was and I was in several tables discussing about all, all these issues and the owners say like, wait a minute the fans they love the team mm -hmm. unfortunately they can do not manage the business side but they love the team Oilers has been a team here and everybody that I know love the Oilers mm -hmm. including the homeless people including everybody love the Oilers man um, how can we turn all that love for the Oilers to love this city mm -hmm. how can we turn all that passion of the hockey games to not just celebrate the goal but celebrate it and we're ending poverty mm -hmm. how can we use that spirit who is the strongest spirit in the city to say you know what we love this city we want changes we want this we want inclusion we want end poverty mm -hmm. with that same spirit mm -hmm. i'm not uh expert in hockey and maybe hockey people can't think about it yeah how can we turn this love for this amazing team that have such a story? I remember somebody was telling me that uh, uh, the initial recognize uh, the Oilers, some generation of the Oilers that maybe one of the best hockey teams in history. Yeah. Uh, how can we turn that into something that also develop actions to bring Edmonton together for everyone? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the, the biggest factor is success on the ice. And that's unfortunate because that's one thing that the fans don't control, right? Uh -huh. But when the team succeeds, like you remember last year during the playoffs, there's just an energy that comes over the city. And people want to reach out to their neighbor. They want to talk to them. There's, some, there's positivity. There's a reason to celebrate. Um, and that that breeds a sense of community too. And, and yeah, a lot of it is people going out and drinking beer and doing that kind of thing. But it, it's you can't deny that even just walking down the street and seeing someone in their Oilers jersey or waving or honking the horn, it's just positivity. It is. And, and it gets people out of their shell. And I, I don't know if, you know, being in a winter city like Edmonton, like everyone's cold cramped in their car for half the year. I don't know if that causes more isolation amongst people. Like maybe if you if you did a study across warmer climates, you'd see that people are out and about more oh, yeah. often and they're more interactive with one another. So maybe that's it. But you can't deny either that once spring hits Edmonton, people are out, the sense and feeling of community jumps way up as well. So I mean to 
you know, there's lots of different ways to incorporate success on the ice into success in the community. And, and certainly having guys like Ethan Bear and Jujarkara, like minorities on the team help because they're going to bring exposure to their communities. And, and I think a lot of the times when it comes to, you know, racism or, or even just like unknown of another culture, it's, it's really the unknown factor and it's the lack of exposure. Like, we're pretty like homogenized in Canada still, right? Like overall, you, a city like Edmonton is overwhelmingly white compared to cities like New York or even international cities like London and Shanghai and Hong Kong. Um, so it's just simply a lack of exposure, which leads to a lack of understanding. So I think having events where, what did you call it? Not multiculturalism, but interculturalism, inter-culturalism is super important. Because there's elements of all cultures that can be beneficial and, and, and desirable, right? Like you go to Japan and their whole idea of respect and, and is super intriguing and it's, it's very interesting and, and kind of it's, it's got a nice nostalgic feel. And you think of Canadians and what's a typical Canadian? Very, very friendly and very apologetic and, uh-huh. very, and very humble. Like those are typically Canadian traits and I love being known as that globally. Like when I travel abroad and people find out you're Canadian, it's immediately like, oh, awesome. yeah, there's immediately a smile yeah. on it, yeah. But going back to what you said, the Don Iveson said is like, if not Edmonton, where? Where? Right? If we can't take care of this in our own backyard, then we don't deserve to have that moniker around the world if we're not able to take care of our own people. And I think that is what my speech is about. And, and what I'm trying to do is about. Mm-hmm. We do have an amazing opportunity in this city. Mm-hmm. We have the money, we have the resources, yeah. we have the people, we have the things are here. And we're not so far gone like cities in the States, right? Exactly. We haven't gone down that road yet. So when we will, because we can see other elements. I remember when uh, a lot of developing come over and I asked where, where is the studies regarding to the impacts on gentrification and development? What are the studies regarding to the experience of other communities? There were none. Mm-hmm. There were no studies. There were no analysis, experience in other cities. What happened when this happened here? Mm-hmm. Um, and like you, you, you can see, for example, I was seeing the poverty and what is happening in Los Angeles. 60,000 people on the streets. 60,000. Yeah. No service. In, are, what are we waiting? I don't want to see the city turn into something like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows LA and how amazing and whatever. 60,000 people on the streets. Yeah. No. Well, the higher up you go, sometimes the farther down. Exactly. Well. So, in order for eventually these don't hit more crime, more poverty, more problems, more things, we need to tackle it now. Mm-hmm. We need to do things now. I can't wait 35 years more. Yeah. We need to get involved in communities. We need to embrace the community. We need to encourage people who don't have the privilege to open spaces for them to become somebody that without our support, we will, they will never achieve. Mm-hmm. We need to create those spaces. We need to develop the discussions. We need to ask our politicians to be accountable. Mm-hmm. We need to move forward to a better Edmonton. Mm-hmm. We are in a position that we can do it. So can we? as a community, mm-hmm. Oilers fans and homeless people and people from India and Chile like me, <laughs> and let's say, hey, let's embrace this community, let's open spaces for expression, let's collaborate and work together. Yeah. Can we do it? Yeah, okay, we just need 
good examples like you to continually be set and then for you to create more good examples as well right well uh, like following in your footsteps I decided to 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 move forward in my career and found new venues and things to do and to look forward to new approaches and I I I strongly believe that there's a lot of people who want to it's just the colonization of those energies and put the right people under under the same roof and say hey this is how we want this city to look like and you got to make it easy for them too right you got to show them the path and say all you need to do is xyz right um because again that overwhelming problem it just it's it's the closet that you don't want to tackle because you you're not sure what's in it and it's the the thing the hardest or the things we the things we want to do the least are the things we need to do the most right because they're hard and because they're challenging and they're messy um and so if you can if you can facilitate that that transition for people as much as possible and make it as painless to do the certain actions or steps that they need to take then they're going to be more likely to do it and then again momentum takes over they succeed in one little task that you give them and then the next and then all for you know what they want to do more and they want to help more it's like the, the more times we succeed at something the more we want to do it because we enjoy that learning process and we enjoy becoming more capable and meaningful human beings like the reason why that video project you did with the the kids is so great is because you gave them purpose and you gave them meaning right like i can't imagine what it's like to be without a home without a job like what do you even do i if i don't write in my 5 minute journal every morning I find my day is not as productive and I find I struggle with meaning some days because it's like well, what am I what am I doing what do I have to do reality is I probably got 100 things I need to do but if I don't list them out if I'm not aware of of what my purpose is or what the meaning of what I'm doing is it, it you become lost so easy cuz there's so many distractions so I think it's I think it's important for meaning and I think it's important for procedural steps. <laughs> no, I think I think that too. I remember when I started working at Boiler Street, they the, the in the morning meetings, the old workers meet together and they used to work like where you work. Like mm -hmm. I work at the unit for example. Um, but my answer you should say I work from the department of dreams and hope. <laughs> and <laughs> they hire <laughs> they're always hiring. Yeah, and they always hiring. You just need to dream and have hope that things can be better. Yeah. And I think that that is basically what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. I do have big dreams and I do have hope. Mm -hmm. And when you I remember when when you work with homeless youth and when you work with people who are living on the streets, when you see hope in their eyes, their their face light mm -hmm. when they when you help them to find a minimum purpose uh, something mm -hmm. when you activate that hope activate a dream mm -hmm. in someone mm -hmm. you're making a difference of course and 100%. you need dreamers and people who are willing to dream to say this is possible mm -hmm. to challenge the status quo in order to activate others mm -hmm. without that people i think if oh what is the path like you're saying what what sh what should i do mm -hmm. uh, and i think you just with example mm -hmm. you can achieve others to be dreamers 100% and i think that that's it yeah. that is what i i hope uh, and my dreams are yeah i really want to be an a positive impact on this city mm -hmm. and i don't like the conflict approach of battling a system fighting of, of the like parents fighting over the kid it doesn't yeah. benefit anyone. it doesn't benefit anyone but we need to create awareness and mm -hmm. how can you develop 
a system that allow me to call the attention of the people who are taking the decisions. Right. How can we be on the tables and not just be on the table talking, but be part of the action plan? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I feel the pyramidal systems of the people, on, the person on top, know what is the better, better for the people on the bottom. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work because you don't have experience. You want to put the solutions for homelessness without being homeless? Mm -hmm without even experience what hungry looks like, mm -hmm. I think it's really tough to do that. Yeah. You need to ask them, but you need to calm down. You need to take the nice jacket out, the nice shoes out, yeah. and maybe put more casual clothes and come to the streets and talk to the people. Mm -hmm. Not send workers to go and talk to them. You, if you really want to- I'm not sure I would send those workers. Exactly. Okay. But you need to be on the ground. You can do not take decisions about other people's lives with even talking to them. Yeah. And understanding. Yeah. Understanding and being able to relate to other people is so important. Yeah, and I think those things are so important. Yeah. So important. And 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 they're willing to bring dreams and hope. Right. So why did you choose Edmonton? What well, I didn't choose Edmonton. Edmonton chose me. Oh, okay. It wasn't uh yeah. Um so uh I was living in Spain, yeah. playing it hard, yeah. working uh, in the soccer industry, okay. um, collaborating with people. Um, and one day I met a Canadian girl who okay. was from Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, and then we came over. Uh, she brought me here. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, seven years old together. Mm -hmm. Today we're not together, but we're really good friends and we're what, collaborating. What, what time of the year did she bring you over? Was it summer? Oh, it was the summer? worst winter in 46 year, 2010. Yeah. Uh, I think it was August, by the end of August. Yeah. That winter. Okay, so you came in August, so. Yeah, I so came in So it looked nice. You're like, oh, this is fine. This oh, is yeah, good. until the snow came back. <laughs> and then I learned that you have to shovel the snow every day. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. How people do that? And it was funny because my neighbor in front, as soon as snow like, was coming down, yeah. he used to celebrate it. He brought the shovel up and put it up. I said, yeah, it's snow is here. It's like, see, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I didn't get it at the time. And he still struggled with yeah. the cold. Yeah. But um, I saw how a lot of people love snow. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Like it builds, it builds up mental fortitude with people. It, it makes you stronger, I think. So, well, like anything, it can make you stronger or it can make you weaker, right? It can break you down. But there's something about us as Canadians who live in cities like this that, you know, it just makes you hardier. The fact that you have to deal with this and, you know, it's not perfect and, and 30 degrees every day like it is in other parts of the world. So it gives you something to challenge and battle yourself, challenge yourself with and battle through. Oh yeah, I remember, uh, so my first year, I, I, I'm constantly trying to find solutions. That is a problem with me. I think it is my OCD. I yeah. need to find solutions, solution, solution. Yeah. I'm a solution maker. So when I, I came here and finally I get my, my, my residence, I was able to access link programs was for, to learn English. Mm -hmm. And I remember that uh, I, my, wife, my wife at the time was working. So I have to grab my stroller and I used to have those umbrella strollers mm -hmm. and put my daughter on the stroller, preparing the morning to access, to go to link, take two buses to go to classes. Oh, um, and I was trying to move that umbrella stroller yeah with those little wheels <laughs> and through the snow oh, yeah. and it was sometimes I cry trying to push that stroller it's like 
And at the end of the day, I just grabbed my daughter, put it in my arm, grabbed the other stroller and tried yeah. to walk on the deep <laughs> snow towards the, the bus to go to classes. One day I was in second hand and I found the big stroller with the big wheels. I hate it. Oh my God, that was an aha moment. Yeah. I start, I, I bought it immediately. I put my daughter on the stroller and I was running in the snow basically. Like, oh my God, I found something. Yeah. And then I made my mission <clears throat> because I saw other mothers coming with these little strollers, immigrants similar to me. I was one of the only males in the class. But basically, I make my mission to promote the strollers right. with the big wheels because that are good for snow. And I was able to find six strollers to give her to moms on the class Amazing. so they don't have to find the same yeah. issues than me. But that was kind of my mind of we have a problem, we need to find a solution for it. Mm -hmm. And I cried, like I, a big old man like uh, with my daughter. I cried because it was so frustrated about not right. being able to even walk the yeah. streets mm -hmm. and access link and don't speak English and all these issues who come with being new. Mm -hmm. uh, and I saw so many moms struggling, maybe for with two kids and like trying to push them on the snow. Mm -hmm. Those are challenges that maybe a lot of people don't know, don't see, or don't experience. Well, it's two really important lessons there. The first is that, yeah, you were in someone else's shoes and their problem, and so it became more relatable, and it became more inspiring to you to want to help and, and transform their struggle as well. Um, and then the other thing, too, is that often, you know, we're struggling through something or there's a problem, and we just don't see that there is a tool that could help us or a tool or a, and not an easy fix, but something that, that there's another way to do things, right? Yeah. And it's just all you needed was bigger wheels. Exactly. And that changed so much my perspective of snow and going to link classes. But I remember uh, my grandfather who got a lot of input in my personal life. He gave me two important like thoughts. And one, he was a mathematician, so he loved mathematics. So he said, do you know what is the beauty of a problem? I said, no. And he said to me, the beauty of a problem, a mathematical problem, is that the mathematical problem got a solution. Mm -hmm. You need to work and found it. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't have a solution, it's not a problem anymore. Right. <laughs> doesn't exist. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because there's no solution, so why you will waste your time? It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. That gives me a lot of thoughts in my life. If something don't have a solution, it's not a problem anymore. So don't waste your time trying to find solutions for it. But if it's a problem, yeah. you should be able to find a solution for it. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. And the other thing that he told me, and I think lately that has been really impacting my life. Like, be careful with the people who are always patting your back. <laughs> and, and encourage you and say, hey, what you're doing, amazing. You're doing good. Well done for you and respect people who are encouraging you and asking you to be better. Mm -hmm. Those two messages from my grandfather, the messages that are still in my head, he wrote me a letter and I still have that letter. He gave me that letter when I was 13, mm -hmm. based on these two principles. Wow. Don't waste your time finding solutions for problems who don't have solutions, yeah. but force yourself to find solutions for problems because that will make you better. Mm -hmm. Be careful with people who pat your back and respect people who are asking you to be better. I like it. And, I, I, and clearly I try to use it in different scenarios and I say, you know what, yes. Um, I, I think uh, I don't have money. Mm -hmm. I'm really like uh, trying to survive between jobs and others and do what I need to do. 
But one of the things that I do have is my word. Mm-hmm. And I want, I always have been respectful of that deal. If I commit, I'm commit 200%. Mm-hmm. And under that, I have two hands, I have a brain, I have the privilege of having experienced different experiences in my life in different countries. Mm-hmm. And I will use those things towards community building, community capacity, mm-hmm. youth empowerment. Yeah. In order to bring to Edmonton uh, maybe a different vision, approaches that maybe other people never considered before. Yeah. Uh, and I think if that it is the way to move forward, it is the way to encourage others, it is the way to uh, inspire my life. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, a lot of people who know me, when they ask me, how are you doing? I say incredible. Incredible, I noticed that. Yeah. Uh, and ha- some people have been defining as Mr. Incredible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and with the time, some people ask me, look at me, why you're always incredible? Why? See, because I want to do incredible things. Mm-hmm. I want to, every step that I do, do it with happiness, with joy, with embrace what I'm doing, being happy about what I'm, I'm doing. Yeah being happy about the steps that I'm moving forward, being encouraged and, and say, you know what? I got this project and I will do it. Right. And I don't have no doubt that it will be challenging and we'll have problems. And most of the time, my projects don't have any funding. Like Career has been working for six years with zero money. Unbelievable. And because we need to create smart economies. Like we have been donating guitars, bass, drums to kids mm-hmm. with zero money. How it works? We're recycled instruments. Mm-hmm. I pull a call out for people. Hey, I have a kid who need a bass. Anybody can donate me a bass? And the bass come. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, an amazing uh, music store, Myers Music, run by a family, like four blocks from here. I say to them, do you know what? I want to start a, a violin. I have a violin instructor, but I don't have any violins. Um, do you guys can put a call out for people that maybe yeah. don't want to? Mm-hmm. And uh, a month later, Myers donated me five violins. And then another wow. friend who's working in another company uh, says, Sebastian, you know what? I work in a liquidation company. We receive boxes full of stuff, and then we need to figure out. Yeah. There's 12 violins there. Do you, do you want it? Say so, yeah, and the violins were in none the better shape. So I went to Myers Music and said, "Guys, do you think you can fix my violins for some kids?" This yes, Sebastian, no worries. Just bring it here. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And they give me a really cheap code. And like, uh, okay, we get forty bucks. We pay for the violins, and then we give the violins away to the people. Right. And some of the violins are not here anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't care. Somebody's playing a violin right. around. The important thing is, it seems like you've learned to ask, right? If you don't ask, you're never going to get. It's and, true. And you need yeah. to be pushing the boundaries of, of what you think you can accomplish. And you say you're incredible. Well, you want to do incredible things. Well, an incredible person is who does incredible things. So if, you know, if that's what you want to do, you have to ask yourself, what would an incredible person do? And then do those things, right? Yeah, and, and, and I know it sounds strange because people are not used to that philosophy or that thought. But... I really want to be incredible and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and feel incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's a personal feeling. It's a, like, and people say, oh, you will burn out. You will, you will quit. It's impossible to keep doing those things. And say, no. Because, you get better. But it's just the, I know why I'm waking up every day. Mm-hmm. Because I have this dream. And I will pursue it. And it's not a dream based on 
material things. It's not a dream that it, and of course I want a house and I, and I want the things and I want uh, a car who don't stop every, uh, uh, every whatever and I have to fix it and figure it out and ask friends to help me out. Uh, it's this dream of, that I can have good quality friends, mm -hmm. that I can knock some people's doors and say, hey, you know what, today I'm sad, can you give me a hug? Right. It's a dream of developing a community and a family or do you know what, I have, I have to set up the River Valley project again, can you guys help me out? And then when I make that call, there's 30 people lining up, Sebastian, what do you need? Yeah. Because they understand what, what I'm trying to do and they believe in the dream, they can see it, they can, they feel that they can be part of it mm -hmm. and empower others. I, that, those are my dreams, it's not that crazy dream, I want to be a millionaire and live in a house and have two trucks outside of my house and a big pool in my jacuzzi and that's my dream. Yeah. It's not about that. Well, you learn the value of not having more but being more, right? Exactly, and I think that made me rich. Mm -hmm. And, and that is what they talk about the levels of poverty. I may don't, uh, economically, I may be not the best well person, but I have so many houses to go. Mm -hmm. I have so many people who call me and say, Sebastian, let's do this, let's do that. I have this project, can you help? Right. Yes, of course, we mm -hmm. can help. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what motivates every day my moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it, when you have that disposition in life, people who have similar dispositions, say, you know what, Sebastian, yeah, I will start coming here. I will start doing that. Mm -hmm. I will collaborate with you. There's so many artists who has been volunteering their time at Create Art Project. Mm -hmm. uh, Shima Robinson, Lady Diana, um, there's Golton. He has been teaching violin for our kids for two years. He's a computer engineer who don't need any money at all. Yeah. And he came over to me one day and said, Sebastian, you know what? I was working in this big company and I decided to quit because it's not making me happy. Mm -hmm. This is making me happy. Come to teach these kids every morning is making me happy. And I'm finding purpose. Yeah. And thank you for that. Say, wait a minute, you're asking me, you're telling me thank you because you quit to a six-figure job <laughs> uh, to be happy teaching kids in the community. Amen, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and he said, you know what, I will find another job, I will take a break, I need a break for myself. Right. And he did. And he's successful now in the new job that he got and he keep coming here teaching people. Mm -hmm. And he's uh, a left hand and a brother for me. Yeah. Like, I don't have that much family here. I'm basically alone. I have uh, a partner and I have my ex-partner, a uh, mother of my daughter, mm -hmm. who were really good friends. Uh, so I'm building my family, a family of people who we can dream together. Yeah. And we are not afraid to ask and put hours and go to late meetings and after work and meet and keep trying to develop and shape a better community. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's it. Yeah. A big family who believe in social transformation. Mm -hmm. So where can people come to find you, Sebastian, or where, where can they uh, locate you? Okay, so you can find the CREART Edmonton project at www.creartedmonton.com. So C-R-E-A-R-T. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that is, you can find my phone number there or send me an email through that. Also, you can come to Parvel Cromwell Community League every Saturday morning for guitar lessons, or you can check our schedule of um, free education in arts 
Um, also, this year I will developing the Canal Ravine mural project again, mm-hmm. 1,900 square feet of art mm-hmm. on the River Valley. We're looking for people who are willing to donate any um, in-kinds, paintings, uh, materials, brushes, etc. Our people who want to come over and paint with us will be working at Park del Crumdel as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Where we are on 84th and 113th Ave. So our address is 11335 84th Street. Okay. I'm sorry, 85th Street. 85th Street. 85th Street. Um, so Park del Crumdel Community, this is what the magic is happening. Where, uh, awesome. And we're bringing people together about talk about other topics and mm-hmm. important things that we believe that are important. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also heart of the city music and arts festival is coming next weekend okay uh, it's a family-friendly music and arts festival to promote local and emerging original artists in edmonton it is in giovanni caboto park june 2nd and 3rd is a friday i'm sorry it's a saturday and sunday event we have been running this music and arts festival for 15 years mm-hmm. of course there were other people before i have been working on the festival for the last five years and now we have been growing to the full park. Mm-hmm. It's a free family friendly music and arts festival. Everybody's welcome. You can find me there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but just Facebook, I'm also a musician, local artist. I'm performing around um, different stages. And I always want to perform, ask for people to donate instruments to pre art so we can donate instruments to people. Amazing. Um, and yeah, that's the dream. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Sebastian. You know, really, it's unbelievable and humbling to see that other people are doing such big things for Edmonton. And you're not even from here. Like, it's no one else has an excuse not to be doing things as well to to bolster the community, to build up our city and build rise the tide of everyone here in this city. So thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And remember, I think it may be the last message. If it's not in Edmonton, where? Yeah. Perfect. All right. See you later. See you later. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in. As always, I hope you enjoyed the fascinating story of Sebastian's life. To see more about what he's doing, go to creartedmonton.com. That's C-R-E-A-R-T-Edmonton.com. See you next week.